Hey, this is Jay Worth, your host for Green Industry Perspectives. I just wanted to give you a quick note before we start this episode. We're fully aware there's no shortage of software companies out there, and we're not the only ones specializing in green industry software. One thing that sets single ops apart is our track record of delivering top-notch resources tailored specifically for you and your business. We've been hosting this podcast for years, offering insights and expertise from the best minds in the business. We've been crafting comprehensive guides packed with green industry business best practices for years, and we've been turning out blog content on how to boost your business, streamline services, and exceed your customers' expectations long before our competitors started doing it for clicks. In a world of options, Single Ops has always been your dependable source with a history of supporting you and your success. To access these free resources, head to singleops.com and check out the resources tab. And remember, we were here to help first. You are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives Podcast, presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. Welcome back to another episode of Green Industry Perspectives presented by Single Ops. I'm Jay Worth. Really, really excited to have someone uh, on the show today. And I've known professionally for a number of years. Uh, this is the first chance we're having to sit down and have a conversation like this. Joshua Malik. Joshua is the founder and CEO of Joshua Tree Experts. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Jay. Oh, thanks for having me on, brother. Hey, man. Uh, I'm always excited to have a conversation with you. Uh, Joshua, Based on your experience in the green industry, what do you see as the top three common threads in really successful green industry companies? Uh, very good marketing and sales. Branding is very important. You got to have systems, processes, standards in place for uh, the entire team. And you got to have a really good leadership team and overall production team. Yeah, I love these answers. Uh, I knew we were going to be in for a really fun conversation when I saw them. So uh, I'm really excited about that. If you would, um, just to give our listeners a sense of um, why we have you on the show, just talk a little bit about how you got into the industry and uh, and how you started Joshua Tree. Yeah, this is actually a boring story. So I, you know, out of high school, I started uh, with a, a local company in the in the Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, about an hour above Philadelphia, and started as a ground ground specialist. I was I was a huge adrenaline junkie. I was in sports. I was rock climbing. I was motocross racing. I was skydiving right out of high school. And my mom, she had a friend that was an office manager. And my mom's like, yo, what, what are you going to do? And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to school. I didn't like school much. I barely just graduated. So, and I really liked working. Um, I really did. I worked a lot during high school, worked at a furniture store, worked down at the local pool, worked at a lamp factory uh, during the summers. So I knew I really liked labor work and I love the outdoors and started with that company that was in 92. And I developed, man, I worked for about, three or four other companies uh, through about 2000. And I was in production work the whole time, worked my way up to a crew leader. I always liked, you know, the idea of, of owning my own business and being an entrepreneur, but 
just, yeah, I don't think I had enough experience. I think I thought about it when I was younger. I was like, yeah, I need to gain more experience. I didn't have any experience in sales or managing. And in 2000, I started with a, a company that kind of like maybe poached me a little bit. Uh, it was a, a very small company. And the owner at that time said, hey, I really want to grow the company. I had a lot of certification and training development behind me. And it was able to elevate me into a sales and manager's position. And I took it and that was in 2005 and I worked there for five years. And those were like, those were like the foundations of, of where I got from. Um, yeah. That's amazing. Now talk a little bit about Joshua tree. Cause you've got a pretty amazing company. I've worked with some people there in the past. And um, so I'm familiar with uh, some of the crew you've got now, but also talk about what you're doing. Cause I think you're doing something pretty unique for, uh, the tree care industry, at least, where, you know, I don't personally know anybody that's that's done what you're doing right now. And I think it's just really awesome to talk about. So, yeah, no, thanks. You know, um, I got to say, we have really good people. We got great people. I shouldn't even say that. And I, I don't I don't say that just to say that we've really have enhanced our culture and values over the last several years. And we have built such a good foundation of people. I have many of my my first and second hire back in 2005 when I launched Joshua Tree. They're still with me today. 18 years experience. I have individuals that are 17, 16, 15 years with me. We have a really, really good foundation. And, you know, when you're growing, you're a leader, you are growing a business. You know, there's a saying, if you're not growing, you're dying. And when you have really good people, how do you retain them? There's so much buzz talk about recruitment. It's like, you know what? Recruitment is one thing, but retention is another. It's a scorecard measurable that we use every single week. What is our coworker retention? You know, how are we holding on to people? What do we need to do to secure their future, their professional and personal development? Because that's that's one of my jobs is the, you know, the visionary, the CEO is, you know, our, our culture is huge. Growth of the company is huge. And many of our people on our leadership team, many of my Arborist account managers, supervisors are all people that continue to elevate and move up the ladder, you know, that career ladder as they maybe started as a technician or a ground person into a client or crew leader supervisor. So growing, it's like, hey, give an opportunity for them to expand as well. And it's really, you know, through certification development and they all have the will to want to drive. They all have the will to, you know, want to do better for themselves and their family and learn every day, you know, learn more about the green industry. So we launched a franchise system is what I think you're leaning into. And yeah, we had absolutely. That in, in early 2022, a lot of hard work to get to that part. And I mean that it's not a, it's a totally different business, you know, uh, I have a unique ability being in the green industry for 31 years. I understand, you know, really like the back of my hand, what it takes to run a successful business. I, I belong to a lot of other peer groups that I talk to other green industry, industry professionals. I've networked, uh, have a very large network of people throughout the country that I talk with. And, you know, it's pretty special on, on, on what the team here had done. You know, I had a, a vision of wanting to do this and through the hard work of, many people on our team and a lot of effort and a lot of money that we put into it. You're, you're starting a new business. Uh, there's, you know, there's no equipment involved. You know, your vendors are your equipment people. Now, you know, you're building these relationships, you're designing programs for franchisees 
and it's a it's a road path for our current existing uh, co-workers that are working here. It's a vision for the company on where we are today, where we want to get to. And it's just a totally different business that you have to run very differently than your consumer. We're very consumer based. You know, we do a lot of B2C work within Joshua Tree. I do about 5% commercial, 95% is, is that's where our, you know, target demographic is, is the residential uh, sector. And man, when you, when you run a franchise, you are, you know, you're, you're taking someone that wants to invest in your concept that really believes, and this could be their, this could be their life savings. A lot of people that we have and we're talking to is that they're taking their 401k, they're rolling it over, they're doing a, a, a home equity loan, you know, they're going through the SBA to secure a loan and it's a big deal and they need to, to trust in the system. They need to learn the system through training development and, you know, on-site training, out in the field training. And we're really fortunate to be where we are today and super lucky to uh, have people that believe in us. Yeah, I just think it's remarkable because I can't think of another business that I, again, that I know personally, I'm sure it's happened, but starts out as a small, you know, um, local business to a single location. I've been to that office in, uh, is it Hellertown? Stockertown. Stockertown, yeah, excuse Stockertown. me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been to the office in Stockertown and um, and talk to some of your staff and it's a, it's a really cool operation and just seeing that grow into now, you know, you've got franchisees in other States and, um, it's just a really, really cool thing. I just think it's really awesome to see the, um, what I know to be, you know, personally, my firsthand experience, um, just a really cool company culture, um, a, a really high quality service just expand in that way. And so I just think it's really neat. I didn't know. Um, I don't even know if, if, people listening to this podcast or even thinking that that's an option for them. You know what I mean? I don't think, I think yeah. many of it, it's like on a radar for most people and you're like, Hey, what if I just package this and sell it to other people too? Uh, I just think it's incredible. Yeah. It's a, it's a great growth strategy. If you, if you have the mindset and your people are on board with it and they buy into it. And again, that's, you know, it's really up to the, the founder uh, and painting that vision of, you know, how are we going to get there? What's the role that you play in that? And, you know, as leaders, you gotta, you gotta really, you know, communicate and have a really good, provide really good direction and opening for your people. And when, you know, presenting that to, to my leadership team, they were like, you want to do what? <laughs> and it, for, I can tell you on my end, it was probably about 18 months of really researching the franchise space understanding if, if, if we could have a really good run at this and what our success would be, what were our failures and low points would be where our high points would be. And, um, you know, when you really get your people and team that believe in that and know what they play and the role that they're going to, uh, you know, dedicate to it's awesome. man. it's, it's a, it's a really remarkable thing and we're having some really good success right now. Yeah. I love to hear it. Um, I do want to dive into these, three things. And I think this actually dovetails nicely. Um, you talked about marketing and sales. These are two topics I'm extremely passionate about in our industry. I think yeah. that um, most people kind of like, you know, instinctively understand sales is important, but marketing is something that's the boogeyman for most people in our industry. And so <laughs> um, I love talking about it. So in your opinion, what's the distinct role of marketing in the business and what's the distinct role of sales? 
you know, marketing is the first thing when you think about overall business, you got to get the phone to ring. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter how good you have a sales. It doesn't matter how good you can perform the service, the after service, whatever. If you don't have the phone ringing, you got no, no one to sell to. And, you know, marketing, I look at two styles of marketing, CTA called action. Someone needs you. How can they find you? How can you be in front of them at that point? And then branding and branding is specific to, hey, they don't need you, but they're seeing your name over and over. And it, it could be so many different styles of branding. But then when they need you and you pop up on Google and there's four other competitors up there, they see the Joshua Tree name. We're like, oh, I've seen that name so many different times. I definitely want to give them a call. I love marketing. Uh, I love sales. Sales is my unique ability uh, within the consumer space and, and selling general, you know, tree care plan, healthcare services. Uh, by far, I I, uh, I still have my sales team at Joshua Tree that report to me. And uh, I work with them and train them and coach them and mentor them and learn from them as well, uh, because they're, they're very good at what they do. And, um, you know, we believe in the certification development, you know, Marketing is, is, is getting the, that audience to just, you know, have trust in you, belief in you. And people don't realize it, but there's so many different ways of marketing your company and doing so many things that are very, very different from your competitors. Um, you know, just, you know, looking at the behavior of your, mod, your, your audience, really identifying a lot of companies, they, I think they miss this mark. We have a very strict demographic that we're looking at that goes on home size, lot size, home value, uh, married couple, college educated, kids, age of home, median income. And we take those 10 demographics and that's who we target. We're targeting smaller to medium sized trees uh, that, you know, homes around that 15 year old age where, you know, it's a little, it's less risky of having to get up these big trees. You don't need as big of equipment, which is really good for our franchise system as well. So it reduces owner's risk. It reduces uh, coworker employee risk or being out there, reduces you know the cost of the equipment. And that's the type of property we want. And we specifically target that demographic because those are the people that, you know they're involved in the community. Uh, they want worry-free living. So they, you know, they, they want to pay to have someone and they really like the relationship building part. And we really focus that in the, in our, in our sales team to say, Hey, the first thing is building rapport. How do you build rapport? How do you follow up after the service is done? Uh, and we do that internally many, many ways, but it's also call the, call the client, make sure they were happy because that goes a very, very long way. And then cross sell them on the other services, <laughs> you know, introduce some of these other services that we're doing because, uh, you know, we provide, we have three different brands or th services within the brand. And it's really important that we call it the Joshua tree three and the more penetration we can get between our clients, the more successful we are. You said a lot there that I, that I want to unpack because I love this. And <laughs> the first thing that I immediately zeroed in on there was the distinction between um, you called it, you know, call to action or, or, you know, lead generation is a lot of times what I've heard it called yeah. and branding. And that's, ex thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> because I can't <laughs> tell you how many times I've heard someone say, oh, I tried, you know, I spent money on marketing and it didn't work. 
Um, well, you probably spent it in the wrong way, or you maybe didn't give it long enough to work, or maybe you didn't have the other thing you talked about was your ideal customer, you know, knowing exactly oh, yeah. who it is you want to buy your services. Um, you have, and that's going to look different for every business, but you have to identify that that has to be the starting point. And then everything kind of like hits that sphere around it. So like for you guys, you know, college educated home value in a certain range, um, they've got kids, right? Those are people. So like a good branding spend for you is going to be like, little league, uh, you know, high school, you know, sponsoring the marching band, stuff like that, that tells people you're in the community, but also they see your branding over and over and over again. Um, and that's your, do you know, that's your ideal target because those are people yeah. with kids. Yeah. Um, you know, I love it. You're, you're up, you're, you're right on target, man. So it's, it's just really, really those two things, right? Like don't expect though, that when you go sponsor the little league team, that that's going to make the phone ring. Yeah. It's not, it's going to make the phone ring three years from now, <laughs> but you have to do them simultaneously. Like they have to both happen at the same time. Um, so yeah, I love that. And you kind of already answered my next question. I was going to say, how do these, um, functions work together? Are they siloed or should they be working, you know, kind of symbiotically? And I think you've kind of already answered that they should be work like working really, really closely together. They got to be speaking the same language. So, you know, consistency is really important in, in any marketing, uh, any type of, you know, call to action marketing and branding, you gotta be really relaying the same exact, you know, overall goal of what you're trying to achieve in your marketing and your people need to be speaking it as well. And if everyone's on the same page and everyone's speaking the same language, it goes from the very first call in to our client service team uh, right over to our arborists who are out there on site and speaking the language, language during the, the on-site inspection and through proposal management, even all the way through operations and, and, and billing, it's speaking the same language. There's So when I say consistency, there's so much in companies where I see a logo being a different color on maybe like a yard sign than on the website and then maybe within a Clipper magazine. And I see these images of, I don't want to say poor quality, but just images of, you know, it's not the image that you want to relay, in, not only in our industry, but also to a homeowner when you have in, you know, I, we're in the tree care industry. So I see a lot of, you know, photos of tree people without PPE on it. It's like, man, I, yeah. I don't even really put that in a, in a magazine or a clipper ad, you know, it's, but it's, you know, being consistent with that language, being consistent on who your target market is and putting those dollar efforts into that and staying with it and going long term with it is super important. You know, when I talk about, you know, your trucks are advertising, you know, make them look like a billboard. It doesn't matter if you just have your logo and a phone number on it, man, do it as big as you can. These are these are driving billboards, but be consistent through every truck that you have. So we brand everything, all of our you know, coworkers are in, you know, the same gear when they go out to a home. Um, they're able to provide the same pamphlets and everything is consistent. So I think that's really important to, to really be able to relay the message and the, the behaviors that you want to give to the to the public. Yeah, I love that. I think that that consistent experience, you know, marketing uses the same language that your salespeople are going to use so yeah. that they're generating leads that the sales team can effectively work. Right. And sales should deliver a great experience, um, 
building rapport and doing those things because it makes marketing's job that much easier. I love it. Right. You know, clients, so, uh, when you can do that, your client retention rates are going to spike. And we notice yeah. that we do. We, it's like, we, that's another measurable that we look at on a, on a weekly basis is, Hey, you know, how, how, how are we losing clients and what are we doing to hold on to them? And, you know, this year, here it is, October 23rd, we're at 89% for the year, our client retention. Wow. Full disclosure, this is going to air later in, in or early in 2024. So on October 23rd, <laughs> 89%, <laughs> that's ridiculous. So 89, so we're up 5% from last year and we tweaked some things that just exploded our retention rate this year. And even 5% last year, we're happy at 84. We're at nine. We, we, our goal was our yearly goal for the company was, Hey, we want to improve, improve client retention by 80% knowing of what our recurring revenue percentage is. And overall was like, Hey, we're going to get an extra 80 grand in the bank just by doing 1%. You know, we increased it by 5% huge. And there were some things that we critiqued and that was a lot of it was around training, client service training, all of our people speaking the same language how we're offering services, how we're doing our follow-up to, to our, uh, our clients. I can't believe that. You know, that's, you know, that's like in golf, Target was trying to take one stroke off of a, you know, 18 holes. So we were like, Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll improve client retention by 1% to improve it by 5% in a year was just, it's enormous for us. Yeah. And I think that, um, that touches on a couple of things like you already mentioned too. So one, it, it's cheaper to keep the people you've got because you've already paid to, for the acquisition costs, right? Yeah. Like you already paid yep. money out to get that person to call you. So it's cheaper to keep them than it is to go find a new one. Um, but you also talked about cross-selling. Um, and I think this is something that a lot of businesses don't know how to do effectively or is kind of overlooked. In my mind, the more ingrained you are in that person's day-to-day -day life, probably instinctively, I'm sure there's data to back this up, but instinctively your retention rate has to go up, right? Like if you're doing yeah. their plant healthcare and their pest control for their home, you're keeping the bugs out, you're probably keeping their business, right? So talk about that for a minute. Like how do you, what tips for cross-selling? Um, do, do you notice a correlation between like the number of services and retention rates, those kinds of things? Totally, yeah. You know, our, our goal is that we get the Joshua Tree 3 with each client. And it's not on the first visit to their property. We do that over the course of, you know, 12, 18, 24 months time frame. I love cross-marketing. You go out there for a tree service. It, instinctively, our, our Arborist account managers that are on site doing a property inspection for, for tree or shrub work, we want to cross-sell our, our plant health care services. And that's identifying its a features and benefits. Uh, a lot of Arborists struggle with selling that type of service when there's not a an issue or a symptom or a sign of something there uh, and in, in tree care the best way to keep your train plants uh, your trees and shrubs healthier is with prevention preventable measures so we want to introduce those preventable measures by introducing features and benefits of our programs that's the instant cross sell we get them in for general tree care plant health care they're a customer of ours then we start dripping in maybe some email campaigns, maybe some direct postcard campaigns. Maybe it's an indoor calling campaign that we do. 
Uh, we might just send them during the winter. We might say, hey, within our CRM that we're using, I know this really good one, single ops, <laughs> we can use a measuring tool. That's not why I had him measure. on the show, people. That's not why I had him on the show, <laughs> but I'll take the plug. Thank you. We can, we, you know, they have a single ops does have a measuring tool though built in and we put in pricing parameters within there and it's measured by the thousand square foot. So we can measure the, the green space and we'll just, you know, we'll do a bulk mailing to all of our general tree care clients that don't have lawn care, and we'll introduce our lawn care service. That alone, we've gained about 6 to 7% of those returns during the off-season doing that. Then we continue to take those other, you know, 93%, and we drip them throughout the winter. We start doing calling campaigns on them. We Remember, you have a huge database. How you use it is really, really important. And then you get them in the lawn care. And then you start doing the same process for our pest control, you know, perimeter structural treatments around the house, the mosquito flea and tick. You got those people and it's not an all at once. Our branding, when we talk about postcards, we really don't focus on saying Joshua Tree does these three services. People get too confused. You, you, you lose space as the professional when you're doing that, like saying, hey, you know, this is. It, you know, we want to dive down, hey, we're tree care experts and we have a team that does that. And when I say a team, our general tree care production and arborist, that's what they sell. We have lawn care specialists. That's all they do. Our lawn care application team, they are only doing lawn care applications. Our pest control team, we have one person uh, specific to mosquito flea and tick. We have two uh, structural treatment people. That's all they, they do. You know, if there's any crossing, it's like, hey, we're big team players. It's one of our core values. We might pull a tree care person off for a week or two if we're behind our core aeration and say, hey, we need you here, team play with us, and they'll go out and they'll assist, but it's for like a week or two. But then they go back into the to what they're doing and what they're trained on doing the best at. Yeah, I I love it. I love everything about this. Um, and it sounds like there's a nice segue here. You know, you guys have a, a system set up for when um, you are behind the eight ball, you know, and you need to catch up ground quickly. Let's talk about systems and processes then. I think yeah. this is also a great answer. Um, can you very quickly define when, when you use the phrase systems and processes, what are you referring to? People need know, they need to know how to do a certain part of their job. And let's just say it's an AM process. You know, you come in, you pull into the parking lot, you get out of your, your car. What do you do next? What's your level? Are you a crew leader? Are you the climber? Are you the ground person? What is your job for those 15 minutes before we go out the door? What is the process that's in there? What are you doing? You're a technician, lawn care technician. What are you supposed to do? You get out, are you loading up your bags right away? Are you going to your supervisor? Are you you know, making sure you have the inventory on your truck? Are you doing that in the morning? Are you doing that in the PM process? When do you fuel up your car or vehicle or equipment? Do that in the A, do that in the PM. Right. We lose time. So to give you the instance, the AM process does not include fueling up your vehicle and your equipment. We fuel up vehicle and equipment at the end of the day, because when you go to Wawa in the morning, it's jam packed with people. You're trying to get into the pump. Then you go in, you get your coffee and you get your drink and you've just wasted 25 minutes. Well, guess what? Our arborists are out meeting them. Our clients are expecting us at the first property by quarter of eight. This is the process that's going. And every every company has them. They might not have them listed as into a standard of some type. Every company has them. So you got to list them. Sometimes you got to tweak them. You got to tweak them for what's the best of the company. This is a really good one. We launched the franchise system. 
we've built a library, which is in our operations manual that says, this is how you do this. When the crew gets to a job site, this is the process that they follow. They park up alongside of the curb. They do not park in front of the mailbox or the driveway. They're parking with the hose on the curbside. Then they start at the furthest part of the property. Maybe they're knocking on the door, introducing themselves. They're treating the property. They're rolling up the hose. They're picking up the cones. They're leaving a job sign. They're leaving a door hanger. They're completing their you know, start-stop time within the, the CRM that we use. And then it's a rinse and repeat to the next job. Same exact process for everything that you're doing. It. We have it for our client service team. We have it for our operations, our supervisors, on-site. We have it for our arborists that are out doing on-site inspection. This is what works. And it works really, really well. And that's what I was going to, one of my questions I had written down and you're, it's like you're reading my notes, Joshua. It's kind of, uh, it's awesome, but it's also a little frustrating for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what do you, what do you say to someone who says, I don't think I need systems and processes. And my take on that was you've already got them. If you're running a business, you've already got systems and processes. They just might not be defined. And so it's not scalable. Yeah. You know what? If, if, if everyone's not doing it the same way, they're doing it their own way. And their own way is not, it's not the way of your company. If, if you want certain people to go fuel up in the morning, you're losing efficiencies. And if you're okay with that, that, that then, Hey, that's, you're okay. But if you have people fuel up in the morning, people in the afternoon, during the, the, the evening timeframe, when they're coming back, nobody knows which is the right way. What's the company way? Because there's, Hey, if you've been in this industry and, and you're working for a new company, yeah, you do know the technical side of, you know, what type of weed is it? What type of product is, is going to control it? This fertilizer is better in spring than it is in fall. But if you're just going out there and you're treating it any way that you want, well, our client service team cannot communicate that properly. When we sell the service to the client, we cannot communicate what their expectations can be because everyone's doing it differently. And we want to be able to say, hey, as we get to the property, you'll get a knock on the door from the technician introducing that he was here. They will do a, a look around through the property to make sure that there's no toys on the ground, um, there's hoses, gutters that need to be picked up or whatever. But that's the process. Well, if your sales, if, if your production crew isn't doing that, that communication is not there. That's when you're going to get the client calling and that's when your retention is going to go down. Yeah. So to come keep on things up, introducing that and everyone's on the same page, that's key. It's like you're saying there's a, a direct correlation between the way we communicate with our customers and retention. That's, that's crazy, Joshua. <laughs> I can't believe. Why would I think that? Why, Why would, would I you think that? that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> How do you go about creating these systems and processes? So like, I think sometimes for some things like the workflow is probably defined for you. If you're using a CRM or an accounting software or something like there are some things that you use as tools that dictate your workflow. And I get that. It might even be like, you know, your, your bucket trucks, if you're using those, like, okay, there's a process for that because you have to, you know, get in your harness, latch in, like blah, blah, blah. There are steps you take that are defined by the tool you're yeah. using, right? Um, but sometimes you create these from scratch. So what things, you know, need to be done and in what order to set yourself up for success? How do, how do people go about creating these systems and processes? Make sure I talk about, cause I might lose this thought. It's, it's in my head, the training on the process. Okay. Building the process you have, you might have to tweak it. You got to do what's best for the greater good of the company. We use a couple different forms of documenting. We either put it on paper, 
where people can visually see it. It's a step-by-step process. We also do a lot of training. So we have a library of training material, video form, which could be a training. If we're doing CRM training, if we're doing some type of technology software training, well, we can do a video training where we're we're basically videoing our screen and we're talking it through. We pass that on to our client service team. We pass that into our indoor sales team when we're doing different things. Our technology person will create that training. Then we have documented step-by-step visual aid, more of here it is, feel it, touch it, look at it in front of you, go through the steps of the, when you're not hitting pause, play, pause, play. It's a, okay, I did step one, good. I did step two. You can specifically see it. We are building a, a learning, an LMS learning management system that we are putting all of this into because we've been building processes since about 2017. And when I say building them, actually documenting them, putting them in a library and our library is huge. We have processes of things that we forgot that we had processes for. So when we go into that software and we start typing and searching, it's like, look, we already got a process for it. We pull it up. Is it still relevant? Is this the process that we're doing? Do we have to tweak it or no, this is it. Let's go to it and let's run with it. The training part, coming back to the training part is that you have to remember to train people. People need coaching. They need they need your mentor, and you know they they need mentor mentorship, and they need training from people that know how to follow the process and how to implement the process. When you are implementing new things in your business, I you know this is what's great about me and my general manager Matt Spies. He is very he's the integrator. I'm the visionary. He is very, very different from me. And he challenges me very, very good. Cause I'm like, Hey man, I think we can get this shit done. Like in like two days. And he's like, no, that's like two months. Like realistically, that's more of a two months thing. And I'm very like, let's go, go, go. But you got to remember when you build the process, it's not just giving it to your people and saying, this is the way I want it done. It's explaining good, clear communication. This is why we're doing it. This is the way we need to do it for better client retention, better growth of the business, whatever. But then you got to train on it. You have to put time off to the side to say, let's train on this process. Show, do, watch, coach is what we call our training. It's like, I'll show you, I'll watch you, I'm going to coach you. And then we I got to go back, we'll do it again. Show, do, watch, coach. And it works really, really well for us. But having the process is one thing that you can go back to look to look at to make sure you're doing it right. But then training your people on how to follow the process and what does, what's involved in it, super, super important. And that's what you were talking about when you said training on the process, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Um, Since you mentioned Matt, who's a really good dude, let's talk about yeah. the team. Yeah, I love it. You talked about yeah. leadership and your team. Can you quickly define for our listeners, you know, what you see, what you, image comes to mind, what you were referring to when you talk about leadership? Is this the yeah. structure? Is this the people? Both? What do you I mean by leadership? That. Yeah, it's all that. I don't think it matters uh, what size company you have. Um, I think as an owner, if you don't naturally have leadership skills, they can be developed again through training, through some self-taught methods of, you know, just watching other people, their body language, how they communicate, the tone of their voice, uh, how, do they, how do they respond to good and bad situations? You know, leadership, I I believe, is, you know, setting the vision of the company and getting your people 
to follow that and knowing that they have an importance behind it that's worthwhile. They got to know what role that they play. They need really good direction. They need an opening created where it's like, this is worth it. They need to be able to follow you that you can, you know, have some push for them where they're going to follow you wherever you go. I think that's developed through a lot of different ways. Uh, it's, it's, you know, having a lot of respect, it's being authentic and true and not being fake, uh, giving your people time when they need, it. I think that's the most important thing is that you have to give them your time. And when I say time, I don't talk about, you know, you hire someone and they continue to come at you with, you know, issues that they're facing with their job and they're trying to pass it off to you. Okay. I'm not talking about that type of time because if that happens, you've, you, you've made a hiring mistake. What I'm talking about is saying, Hey, you have the right people. Um, they're in the right seat. Give them the focus of your time. If they're the right people in the right seat, they need your time. And that could be, Hey, I'm going to meet with them weekly. I'm going to meet with them monthly. We are going to have a, a, conver a, a true offsite conversation every 90 days. We're going to talk about our core values. We're going to talk about some goals that we have. And we're going to talk about the, the hard stuff of what's working and what's not working. Give them your time. That's one of the most important things I think is leadership. Yes, I don't think I could agree with you any more strongly there. Because what you're doing when you give them that time is you're essentially replicating yourself so that you can remove yourself from the day to day of the business. Like you're, you're being a lot more hands-on with a much more strategic um, role in your company, right? Like that general manager, CEO, whoever it is, that's going to, going to take over for you as the founder or the owner. Um, you have to give them your time. Or if you're, you know, maybe you're the CEO and you're training your COO to take over for yeah. you one day, whatever it is, you have to get them to understand um, what decisions are important, why they're important and how to make the right ones. And that's not going to happen by doing an autopsy every time they screw up. Like you have to coach them during that process, in my opinion. Yeah. No, that's, hey, that, that's part of the developing the people, right? That's part of you, initi you know, initiating the training. And, you know, Matt was a, he was a good example. You know, when, when I say it doesn't matter if you're, if you're tough, if you're extroverted, introverted, natural skills of leadership. We got Matt some leadership training, you know, through a resource outside of the company that he was receptive to developing those skills. And he's a really good learner. And we had someone that implemented them and, and taught them very well. And I, I'll tell you what, I, I love it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, someone had said, man, he, Matt, they were saying to me, and it's someone that's, you know, that reports to Matt. And they said, you know, they said, um, he said, you know, he, he's, he's a great mentor. And I thought, I love that. I was like, yo, you just called Matt your mentor. It's like, he's looking up yeah. to me as the example because he's communicating better. He's responding in a very, very respectful manner. Um, we all have work to do. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm my, I don't exclude myself. We I have a lot of work to do myself, but it's finding those openings of, man, I could have done that better. And as we grow, we all know where, you know, at least we should be identifying where our weaknesses and where we can go. But as you're growing those, those leaders to be involved in your company, because they do need to replace you. If you're going to grow the business, you have to tackle some, some other things throughout your career and the higher level stuff. 
the hard thinking stuff because it is hard to think about where you're going and how you're going to get there. You need those leaders to step in behind you and, and fill your shoes. Yeah, I I love that. Um, and I think that's, you know, the core of why that good leadership is vital to success. Um, just real quickly, because you mentioned leadership and team. Recruiting is something that's always a challenge in our industry. And you've got some guys, uh, maybe guys and girls, I'm not sure, but on your team with with some really um, serious longevity. Um, a couple okay. of guys have literally been there since the company started. And then you talked, you know, 16, 15 years of service. What practical advice can you give um, for people who are struggling to find good team members? What should they do? What should they not be doing? Well, I, I know there's a lot of, there's so much focus on recruitment and there is because you need people don't, don't talk about, you know, we call our, my, my employees, we call everyone calls coworkers. We look at, and I'll just say for business owners, employee retention, as I said earlier, it's a scorecard. We look at that measurable every single week. <clears throat> as you would, we talked about the cross marketing on our clients. It's much less expensive to cross market a current client with maybe an email campaign other than having to go out and you, you know, you have your cost per lead and cost per deal, cost per client. It's like, hey, listen, you know that's really expensive. Well, training someone new is really expensive. So when you get the right person in the right seat, what's your plan to keep them? How do you train them? How do you develop them? How do you get them involved and believe in the business on where it's going and the vision? How do you develop a career ladder for them? Very good. You know, what's their five roles? How do you communicate that with them? And how do you give them a path to professional development? That's very, very important. Um, recruitment is very different than it was three, four, 10 years ago. We have a full-time recruiter in-house that is focusing just on recruiting people. Uh, it's something that we offer in the franchise system because we know that many people are concerned about it. That individual was a huge, huge benefit to us doing that. We've been doing it for about three years. We had uh, we had our franchise developer manager Dylan DeGroat in that in that uh, uh, that position for about two years. We got Tanner Hag that's now doing it full time. Doing that has we've reaped the benefits from it because when someone hits our job board, we call immediately. It's an instant call and we do a phone screening. And I'm going to tell you right now, recruiting isn't all about talent. Change your mind to hiring on their values. We, we yes, work hard, come play on. hard, improve, adapt, reliable team player and find a way are our five values. That's our five core values. I am not kidding you. Over the last two years, we've hired, promoted, and terminated around that. It was the best thing we ever did. Best thing we've ever did. And it took it took me probably about three to four years developing those values, meaning that we always had the values. They were over there. Our culture was always there. But developing them and actually hiring, promoting, and terminating around them has proven I'm not – you see this smile because hiring <laughs> talent – Hey, that's one thing, but man, if they don't have your values, that stuff is what you get from, from birth. You know, it's hard to change someone's values. Yeah. You can teach them really good that, you know, when you don't have the values, that's wrong person and maybe in the right seat, if they're really good at their job. Okay. Well, that wrong person, it's a cancer throughout the company. They don't believe in the vision of the company. They're bad mouthing their coworkers and, and the vision of where it's going. They're always complaining about, you know, equipment or a client's property or having to travel to the job site. It's so far, whatever it is, 
they're bringing your culture down. Well, listen, if you got negative in your ear all the time, you know that, you know, that plays a role in, in your total positive attitude of where you're going. So we hire around that and, and it zero open positions, another scorecard. It is another scorecard measurable every single week. We look at, hey, on the HR side, it's open positions, accidents, and employee retention. Those are the three things that we look at on HR side every single week. And we have zero open positions right now. We're almost a 70-person company. And that's because we recruit very, very well. We have very well-designed job descriptions. We have a very well-designed process from when we post it. We use a very dynamic software, which we pay good for, but it's very dynamic where we can post in several different areas. It goes to several different job boards, but one person is nurturing that lead. So it goes into the phone screening. They pass the phone screen and they have to pass the phone screen. It's more of a values talk than anything else. Then we shift it over to our supervisors. And then we shift it over to a one-on-one. -on -one. Then we shift it over to giving them an offer letter. So there's a really good defined process that's involved there. And that has been super, super strategic and successful. I love it. And I know we're wrapping up the show here. I want to respect your time. But um, if you quickly, do you have any personal stories about how you discovered this? Like what was a light bulb moment for you regarding, you know, leadership and team and how you screen for those things? Um, I don't know if there was ever a light bulb. I, you know, I can say for myself, I've always believed in self-taught uh, when I started the business and, you know, the certifications that I got, you know, through the industry, I, you know, I always did home study on that. My, Arborist, my track, my applicator's license, my CDL, even when I got that, I was like, I did that all on, on the back end. You know, I didn't really go to classes. And, you know, a lot of that's due to, you know, development in the industry has increased incredibly. It, it, it's a great positive within our industry that they offer online courses, in-person courses. Uh, it wasn't that much, you know, when I was gaining those certifications 20, you know, years ago. I always believe in personal development as much as professional development. I do. I think it's super, super important. And it's from the the dumbest things of, of man, I, I could be doing that better. And people probably look at that like, dude, why are you worried about that? I'm like, because it's development, you know, strictly it's, it's development. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm always, I'm always building a process in my mind because I believe in them so much that it's like, Hey, how can I save time? How can I be productive and not busy? Because I think there's a lot of I do think that as you grow a business, you need to identify what your roles are becoming and what they're going to be in the future and not as of just of today. But I do think a lot of people do a lot of busy work and they're not doing productive work. So really letting go of and delegating some of the things that, you know, maybe was the busy work that other people can do and really identifying what, what's the stuff that I need to be getting done that's going to drive this business forward. I love that productive, not busy. I don't think I could love that anymore. That's a really good insight, man. Um, if someone's listening to this and they want to learn more about Joshua Tree, they want to connect with you, they want to learn more about the franchise opportunities, how would they go about reaching you? Hey, if you want to learn about Joshua Tree Experts, it's easy, joshuatreeexperts.com. LinkedIn, Joshua Tree Inc. You can follow us on there. You want to learn about the franchising concept that we're offering, treecarefranchising.com. And uh, you can always hit me up, Joshua at JoshuaTreeExperts.com. And you can also hit me up on LinkedIn, Joshua Malik, and that's M-A-L-I-K. 
Joshua, thank you so much for making the time today. I really appreciate it. I think you added a ton of value to everybody's day. Rock on, man. Yeah, you know it, buddy. All right, have a good one. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, brother.